An old friend visits us. Nada Edwards talks about the new head coach in Charlotte. Kenny Atkinson gets the job over Mike D'Antoni. Plus, Charlotte ends the week last week with a couple of interesting solo draft workouts. We'll talk all about that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. It's a special edition because it's the first time in a while where we've done a show where Charlotte actually has a head coach. Doug was able to man the front with a 40-minute edition on YouTube the other day when they came through this breaking news. And so shout out to Doug. I was abandoned by my team. I know. Got to give Doug his props. Now, not only am I so lazy to where I won't help Doug, but even when it is my time, we got to go get another LOH alumni with Nada to join us to talk more about this Kenny Atkinson stuff. Nada, first, we'll give a a shout to Doug. Give a shout to you as well. How are you doing? And what are some of your initial thoughts on Kenny? Like, are you excited now that we have a head coach? Or are you just kind of saying, please, God, I hope all of this goes okay? I'm more of the latter. Please, (laughs) God, I hope this goes all okay. Because I told Doug, I had this nice little analogy for this. This isn't necessarily a upgrade from James Brego. I would call this more of a Cupid shuffle. A little Cupid shuffle to the left. Where... This can be different. He's going to hold these guys accountable. And if the personnel stuff works, and if he gets through to a lot of these guys and gets them to pay attention to detail, because as we've talked about before, and I know that we've had this discussion, there are about five, six games where you could say this team looked absolutely disorganized. If they can get the organization together, I think they'll be okay. I, we're going to, yeah, go ahead. No, well, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I did not mean to do that. We're going to get to a lot more of those. Uh, yeah. Already being rude, but no, we'll dive into more of those takes. We heard from Doug. We know that Doug was uh, sad to not see Mike D'Antoni named the head coach. How are you doing now? I didn't get a chance to watch the entire 40 minutes, but I have to imagine that was somewhat talked about there. Doug, are you doing okay after the weekend to kind of think about it more so? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm obviously sad. I, I was definitely advocating for a D'Antoni, Oni, 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 Oni. I'm sad that I'm not going to get to, um, I'm, not, I'm sad that I'm not going to get to go into the folder of D'Antoni. So I guess I still could. We can still bring it back maybe tomorrow to just, uh, you know, as an RIP to Mike D'Antoni. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Kenny's a, a great name. I think it's a great move. I think there are a lot of advantages to going to Kenny Atkinson over Mike D'Antoni. Obviously, you're going to point to the age, 55 years old. Uh, you know, somebody that could be a long-term answer. I don't know that Mike D'Antoni was a long-term answer. Uh, and he has experience improving the play of point guards. I know a lot of people watching this would say, well, LaMelo's going to improve regardless of the head coach. Fine. But don't you want someone in that position that has proven to maximize the talent that somebody already has by showcasing that talent, by giving them some tools, some extra tools that they can uh, use to achieve further greatness there are examples all over the place aaron brooks jeremy lynn uh d'angelo russell so many examples of of where kenny uh whether he was a head coach or an assistant he uh has improved those players and i think that's great for the organization overall 
Yeah. All right. So let's dive into it, right? Kenny Atkinson yeah. named it the new head coach. A four-year deal is what he's given, a little longer than what James Borrego was given when he was announced the head coach. Got that extension too, which was somewhat surprising as to why he got fired right after the extension just a year later. But here's Kenny Atkinson coming in four years off of the rip. And the pros are the fact that he did get the Nets to the playoffs. He did win 42 games with that roster that was still developing. The guys that were a part of that team were improved by Kenny Atkinson being at the helm. You talk about a Jared Allen, what he's doing now, even what he was doing with the Nets. It's impressive because what Kenny can do is draw up a drop, a drop defense. And that's excellent, right? Like you have to get that personnel member on this team that does not exist currently. That's where a potentially Mark Williams comes in or just any trade chip that might be out there. But if you get that guy, then Kenny Atkinson is the coach to, you know, make sure they can develop within that scheme. You talk about the guards, right? Mike D'Antonio guard whisperer. And perhaps we didn't do a good enough job about talking about this, Doug, like, you you know, Kenny Atkinson has his way with guards too, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that's something that would help out LaMelo also, um, the only thing that scares you a little bit is the drop off in production the year after they get to the postseason. Kyrie Irving was there, but only played 20 games, gets ousted because Kevin Durant and Kyrie won a new coach. Also, there was a reported schism between him and Spencer, Din- yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie. How many, well, yeah, right. how many championships have uh, Brooklyn won since they fired Kenny Atkinson? The only argument you need, Sean, and that's why they got rid of Kenny Atkinson. There was some problems with him and Spencer Dinwiddie, reportedly. Um, Just some rumors. Russell has a problem with this guy as we speak. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like those are some of the cons, and and I think that's why we were kind of pushed away (laughs) from one Kenny Atkinson. But defensive philosophy is good. Clearly, can teach the game of basketball, and can those things marry one another to have? continued improvement and actually winning now for LaMelo. I think that's the big question that we're all asking, you know, player development, not wanting to sacrifice that wanting to win. Now can both of those things come together to help out LaMelo and the Charlotte Hornets franchise? Not a, you want to dive deeper into some of your more uh, Kenny Atkinson takes. I think uh, honestly, I, as I said, I think it's a slight upgrade, a little bit to the left. I, it's a different voice, and I understand why it needed to be a different voice. I also understand, and I also can, I'm very concerned about the p- people part of this, because if D'Angelo R- Russell doesn't rock with you, if, if Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't kind of rock with you, if you had issues with KD and Kyrie, like the, the people part of this, especially in a with a team that had problems, when we talk start talking about the people part, the James Booknight stuff, the Kai Jones stuff. Malik Monk opening like old wounds last year. If the people part of this thing doesn't work, this is James Borrego 2.0. And the other thing, and this is, I guess, is my other big part problem with this. At least Mike D'Antoni would have been like, okay, we're taking a step forward. This feels like, mm-hmm. and this has been the theme of the season for the offseason for a while now. At what point do we start saying, do we start attributing like arrogance to this front office? Because this team seems to be like, okay, the coach was the problem. We could run this back and be fine. Mitch has said as much during his press press conference. I wonder if that's going to be like, if that was going to be the thing, like we're going to put this all on Borrego. We're going to say this was a accountability issue. This was a people thing. We need a new voice. But what if it's a different voice and we have the same result? At what point do we start looking at Mitch for this? Yeah. yeah well, I, and 
Go ahead, Doug. Well, I think what I'm curious about, Nada, is the where does this go wrong? Okay, what what happens if the Kenny Atkinson experiment fails? Because I think we've talked a lot about the advantages to hiring someone like Kenny Atkinson. And I'll tell you one of the big advantages before we get into where it could go wrong. One of the big advantages is that offensively, you're not going to have to change a lot. I mean, his offensive mentality is very similar to D'Antoni. He's worked under D'Antoni. Um, they, you know, so it, it's you know pace, it's space, it's lots of three pointers, lots of getting to the rim. I think I think could Kenny Atkinson improve this team's ability to actually score at the rim? I think that would you know I think that would improve the offense even more. But you're not going to have to change a lot. But I'm I'm curious from you, Nada, where where does this go wrong? Like what are the circumstances by which looking to the future? What are the circumstances by which we're all going two years into this? Wow, this was a disaster. Defense doesn't change. That's it. Like the defense doesn't change, and the defense may not change because they may feel. They can add a center that that'll fit into the drop scheme. I I understand that, but at the same time, are they going to have the requisite guards that help in that in that guard scheme for drop as well? Because even if you have a drop big, if he doesn't have the lateral quickness to stop somebody in the open floor, it doesn't matter whether you have a good drop big or not because the guards are not going to be very good. I worry that they feel like they have the right pieces for the for a playoff team right now, and I'm not sure there's enough self-scouting assessment done, especially right now, just to have – like that's where this goes wrong is the defense doesn't get better because if the defense doesn't get better, then this team is going to basically be in the same spot over and over and over, and we're just talking about Sisyphus and Rock at that point. Yeah, the things you're hoping for, the way that the defense gets better, one, is if Kenny Atkinson actually is that guy that can help the team as constructed right now. Also, getting different personnel and also just self-improvement that was always going to happen regardless of the coach coming in or not. Those are the three ways. And all conceivably could happen. You know, like none of that is some huge stretch. Oh, well, you know, great. That's what we're relying on. There are maybe you check two of those three boxes off. Maybe you get different personnel. Maybe Kenny Atkinson is that guy and the rest of the roster just kind of stays afloat defensively. At least you do see some better numbers there. Now, before we go to break, you, you brought up James Borrego, which I think is a huge question, right? How much of an upgrade is this really over James Borrego? I think that's fair. Like, I, I don't think that is crazy overplayed because yes, Kenny Atkinson brought that Nets team to a postseason appearance, 42 wins, one less than James Borrego, but because the strong Eastern Conference this year, James Borrego and the Charlotte Hornets, they actually don't reach the Eastern Conference. You know, if you you want to talk about how it goes wrong, what if this team improves naturally like we all expect for LaMelo, for Miles, for PJ, for some of these other younger guys? They win 45, 46 games. They get to the postseason. They get beat, whether it be in the play-in tournament or the playoffs. And even if they don't get routed, and please God, I hope they don't get routed again in the play-in tournament. But even if that doesn't happen and they just get beat by, I don't know, five, ten points, something that is somewhat respectable, that still feels like a disappointment with this team, especially if you don't get to the postseason. And I, I think that's a real possibility happening here, too. You know, with Kenny Atkinson, we we're betting on there being an extra chapter to whatever happened with Brooklyn with Mike D'Antoni. We know how far that book goes and we're cool with it. Like he got to the conference finals with some stars. We don't know what Kenny Atkinson did. You know, the pros are he worked under Mike Budenholzer, Mike D'Antoni, Ty Lue, Steve Kerr, 
excellent head coaches that he worked under over the last few years, right? Like that's a lot of smart things he can take from a bunch of good different coaches, but also James Brago worked under Greg Popovich for a million years and we know how that works. So uh, like, I, I really do think the 2.0 thing could happen. I think James Brago is more of a mad scientist. I think Kenny Atkinson's going to let his guys get more into a rhythm. I think he's going to divvy out the minutes on a more reliable rhythmic basis to where guys oh, know what going to take place. And I think people are going to be, um, you know, more comfortable running that. I, I do think there are some changes, but as far as the macro goes, yeah, I, that's why I think there is some relevance to this James Brago conversation. The other thing that I want to understand, want people to understand is what happens if Lamelo doesn't get his 35 to 37 minutes or doesn't get his 39 minutes. Are we going to have that very, very loud minority on Twitter basically mm -hmm. complaining about the coach again? Because I think there's a really good chance we're going to see 33, 35 minutes from LaMelo Ball and people are still not going to be happy and not understand the plan that this is an 82-game season. That is my biggest concern right now is that we're talking about a team that, again, a guy that has notably not given out many big minutes to big players. And it was it was D'Angelo Russell's criticism when he when he had that interview with the Athletic. I was that was a criticism of of Kenny Atkinson was that he didn't utilize D'Angelo Russell like D'Angelo Russell thought he should be utilized in the fourth quarter. So it's, it's and I believe he's having problems with Minnesota now too, right? Like the, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always going to be the question: how much is right. it? Is it the coach? How much is it uh, the player? And look, star players don't. <laughs> this is natural. Like a star <laughs> player is you're a star player because you have a certain ego. And so that ego is not always going to allow for some article to be written about how Kenny Atkinson is the reason why you were successful. Okay. Yeah. So um, there's, there's all of those things in play. We'll get to some more of that coming up uh, later on in the podcast, but we have something different to get to in segment two coming up next on locked on Hornets. Really interesting end of the week for the Charlotte Hornets just last week with these draft workouts. It actually continued into Saturday where they had two prospects that could go 13 and 15, but we're going to focus more so on Mark Williams and Shaden Sharp, perhaps the first guy that they've worked out that could go before they pick at 13. Does that indicate a possible trade-up? We'll get to that in just a moment, but not before we talk about Locked On, uh, the Locked On partners of Truebill, which we always appreciate. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, you don't want, or you simply just forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions really hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Don't fall for subscription scams anymore. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Mark Williams and Shaden Sharp discussion coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti? And Russell Westbrook? <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can Master get, P. Yeah, I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Do we need to have them party like Presty to get some of these free agents they might want now? <laughs> is Master P going to do it, Nada? No, of course he isn't. Let, let, we might get the baby if he's not on parole or something like that. 
<laughs> maybe you can go after him. There's a couple. Yeah, Master P, I still like though, man. Let's bring it back. Let's bring back the nostalgia. Nada Edwards joining us here, Lockdown Hornets. You can also find him on the Ion College Basketball Podcast, which puts him in a unique position here on this pod to have been watching college basketball oh, in depth, which mm-hmm. is still hilarious to, to me that it's Nada who is that guy doing that <laughs> because of the hate that he used to have for the players, right? Like not even, still, not hating, hating, just like still. it's not the same level of basketball that is the NBA. But now, not that it's put you in this position to be able to evaluate these players unlike before because you've seen them so much. And before we get to Shaden Sharp, which was by far the most interesting workout that took place with the Charlotte Hornets last week. Before that, it was Mark Williams. Had a huge Friday, had three different sessions, two different solo sessions. Mark Williams, then Shaden Sharp. Mark, not surprising because he's been linked in every single mock draft that we've seen. And I like Mark Williams. I think he's not as good as Jalen Duran for sure. I know mm-hmm. Doug sits that same way as I do, right? Jalen Duran has to be the pick if he's there. Probably won't be, but we'd be cool with a Mark Williams pick. You are probably the most down on Mark Williams that I've seen floating through Hornets Twitter. Um, and and what, what are some of those reasons, not that you're not exactly sold on Mark? I remember the ACC title game. I remember the Virginia Tech game where Virginia Tech and Storm Murphy and a whole bunch of other guards that weren't that aren't NBA caliber were treating that man like a traffic cone. Yeah, Storm Murphy. I, it was a, it's a great name and it was a great performance by him. I totally remember that. Yeah. But that was the thing. Like I just I am not one of those that really believes in that kind of big. I'm I'm and this part of the issue I have with Atkinson is I don't think drop works that well. You need more of a Robert Williams type of big now where they're going to be able to switch one through five, guard one through five. Granted, it's one of those things where those those bigs are very, very, very rare. But at the same time, it's worth it more to develop those type of bigs. I'm not a drop fan. If we're going to talk about a guy that's got to be at the center, he's got to be able to move his feet. Because if not, with the way these guards are, and I, I'm assuming that they're going to get slightly better, but even then, I'm uh, I'm kind of out because I just don't think his fit footwork is that good for where where there's where you can reliably rely on him to defend. So I, I agree with you that like singular drop coverage, if that's all you're going to do and you want to stick with that, it's not going to win you an NBA championship. But with the right personnel, you can you can install a drop coverage that can can win in the regular season and get you into a position to possibly. Fair win a playoff series. But, but as we've seen in these, in this finals that we're currently witnessing, you got to have everything (laughs) to to Mm -hmm. succeed in the playoffs. You got to have a small lineup you can go to. And when they counter that, you've got to have a big lineup that you can go to and you've got to be able to sort of, you know, mix and match. Uh, (laughs) That starts with one center. (laughs) The Hornets need (laughs) one center. (laughs) That's very true. But that's the thing. Like, uh, but I'm also at the point where I don't think a rookie center helps this team. You're going to need somebody that has NBA nuance. I'm a, you're going I agree to need with you. Some, I, I don't think bringing in a rookie center helps you. I don't like. Well, I disagree there. I don't think that I think I think bringing in they need depth as they well. They, the starting agree. center is not going to come from this draft, in my opinion. But I think Mark Williams would provide them with some depth. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I think Mark Williams can play, you know, like I, I think. I'm not asking him to play 25 minutes. I'm not asking him to start, but I just think he's so good. Why not? So you should ask, him. ask. I would like you. I would like you to call him up. I'd like you to ask him to play 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. 25. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call him. I'm not going to ask him to do that. If I had his number, I might ask what, him. To okay. Play if you had his 15. number, what would you call and ask him to do? 
I could see like 15 minutes, you know, coming in off of the bench to help absorb some of the blows. Like if somebody's attacking the basket a ton and you're just like, all right, we're tired of doing the Ole defense thing. Let's have some resistance there. Mark Williams can come in, especially if your center is that you go get. I, I don't know. I mean, whoever that veteran center might be. Isaiah Hartenstein is, is the guy. Well, and I, I like Isaiah Hartenstein for sure. Like he, he checks a lot of the boxes, especially, you know, the analytics side of stuff too. But I, I think Mark Williams can help you. Go ahead, Doug. Well, if you call and ask Mark Williams to play 15 minutes, he's going to be very confused by that phone call. He's going to wonder why Walker mm-hmm. Mail of the Locked on Orange Podcast <laughs> is calling him and asking him to play, play what for 15 minutes. I don't understand what this phone If I had his phone number, I would call and ask him what is on his workout playlist because I feel like that would tell me a lot about who he is, what he's about. What and I think he could give me some good recommendations. So that's what mm-hmm. I and I feel like he would not be confused by that phone call. Uh, Nada, if you had Mark Williams' phone number right now, what would you call and ask him to do? Why didn't he get a better haircut? Like that, that's oh, a, oh no, jeez. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, is, is, it, is, is that the real so... reason he's sliding on your big board? Oh no, no, no. His footwork is worse than his haircut selection. Oh my God, wow. that's tough. I didn't Just, see anything that was on. bad. I've Goodness some, gracious. All right, sick, Nada, go ahead. Um, b- before we move on to, <laughs> it was a sick bird. Before we Jeez. move on to Shade and Sharp, I will say like the Virginia Tech game for sure. That wasn't great. The pick and roll where that's where he struggled in and he struggled. You know, even, yeah, people keep going back to that Caleb Love shot. Like that was a deep pull up from Caleb Love, man. Uh, yes, it was right in his face, and and you can put that on a t shirt, and that's just how it has to be. Like I'm not here defending Mark Williams at the same time. That's just a hell of a deep shot. But either way, like I, I do think the NCAA tournament, not I think he was awesome. Like even offensively, that dude dominated Michigan State. I think he in the first half against Arkansas, just a freaking beast out there. I, I and that and that I like seeing that. Right, somebody well, that offense, improves. Yeah so much the last 10 games of last year throughout this year the fact that he's that athletic he works his ass off too like he runs the floor really well he's going to beat every other big guy down the end and rudy gobert that like they have the same standing reach it's insane so anyways i'm a fan of mark williams but totally get get the footwork stuff i I get it i think offensively he's going to be better than people think i think defensively i think what he can do especially in the first couple of years is going to be overstated just a little bit yeah, and that's fair enough. Like he needs to work on his lateral mobility. He needs to hopefully keep some guards in front of him for sure. And so that's that's a big question. Totally get that. All right, Shade and Sharp. That was somebody that nobody really expected to be working out for the Charlotte Hornets, especially when a conversation we had Friday was, is this a team that's planning to trade back because of the prospects they worked out? Like a Max Christie. Not It's going to be way too early for 15, but you're not going to get them at 45. There were other players kind of like that throughout the last month that they've worked out. Hey, are they going to be picking in the 20s or so? Well, then they bring in Mark Williams, and then they bring in Shaden Sharp, who's not going to last at 13. I don't care if he slides. I, I, a slide would be like 10, 8, yes. 9. Like that would even be a slide for Shaden Sharp. And so, you know, that was a little surprising. What did you make of that workout, and how much do you like Shaden Sharp, Nada? I think Shaden Sharp is a better shooter than people are going to give him credit for. As someone that has had to effectively watch all of the EYBL stuff for work, Mm -hmm. he's a better shooter. He's a better athlete. I would feel comfortable putting him in the Greensboro, James Booknight, go to Greensboro, do not pass go, do not collect $200. If you draft him just and then let Booknight take those six-man minutes, I think this kid is a incredibly talented. 
I think he's going to be really, really good. And if you have an ability to go get this kid, you do you go do it because he's the type of guy that can impact your ceiling in terms of a star type player going up, going like that's that's how good I, how much I believe in this kid is that I think you do almost anything to go get that kid if it's if he's available. Yeah, so for those that don't know, Shaden Sharp was the number one high school player in the country a couple of years ago and goes to Kentucky, doesn't play with Kentucky, and and now here he is in the draft. So a lot of – I think there's still a lot of unknowns. Well, he was I'm supposed looking, to play next year. Like, that's what's crazy. So he was supposed to play next yeah. year. He could have then, played this year, though. That was right, the thing. Right, he could have right. played, chose not to because he's not an idiot and he protected his money. And I yeah. completely understood. So, I yeah, weird story. It's a very weird story. I understood. I understood why he did everything. I I'm just of the mind. You go get that kid. That kid. It, remember how I always have the crush on Book Night, and that Book Night yeah. crush came through. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling the love for Shaden. Yeah, I mean, I I personally like to draft players who choose to play uh, above players who don't choose to play. I mean, that that to me that scares me, especially if you're going to trade a trade up in in that scenario. Now. You know, I'm looking at these like consensus mock drafts, right? And and uh, the one that NBA.com has doesn't have one particular team consensus mocked to Shade and Sharp. Now they do have the the mock draft that they put together has him going sixth overall, and that's generally where I've seen him in these mock drafts. But I think because there are so many unknowns, like would it shock you if it would it like, just absolutely blow you away if that if the if the one player that was going to fall to 13 I feel like Shaden Sharp has that opportunity because there are so many unknowns I mean I get the talent um you know and and the you know the the high ceiling uh but it, it wouldn't absolutely shock me if that were to happen it feels like the one player that would would you know not shock me the, the here's the thing I, and this is the question I'd ask do you guys really see a Shaden Sharp falling past Washington? Because I don't. Yeah, I, I would be pretty agent. surprised. I, I totally get it because there are so many unknowns. I, I would still be based off the talent, based off the rumors that, hey, Detroit likes him. I mean, he was getting four talk, right? You had the big three, yeah. and then Jaden Ivey, kind of the consensus four, but then Keegan Murray was seeing some time there, and Shaden Sharp doing the same thing. To be that high and then to fall to 13, you, you got to cover your bases. I get it. I, that's, I'd still be pretty To me, surprised. that's what this is all about. To me, this yeah. is about, okay, we want to be prepared and make sure that we know what this kid can or can't do if you know he, he starts to dive down in, into the lottery and we have to have that discussion. I, I just don't I, – I would be more shocked if the Hornets decided to trade up to four – or I think uh, who has yeah. the fifth pick? Uh, Detroit. I don't Detroit think Detroit's parting with that. So Sacramento at four, like that to me, like that would be the place that you would trade into if you wanted Shaden Sharp. So I mean Pacers at six too. I mean that's actually not. Uh, I think Pacers is tradable too. So I don't know. I, that would shock me more than than Shaden dropping to thirteen. Honestly, that here's where I would. Yeah. Here's the thing I would point out though. This kid's been talking about getting going top five for a while, and the other thing is we got to remember that he has to accept coming here. So if he even took this solo workout, like even if that's him covering his bases, I don't think he sees himself going down to 13. I don't think his well, no one. Sees- well, of course that no one ever sees themselves falling, but I mean, book night fell. I, he didn't see himself going all the way to, to, to the Hornets. So, so I mean, everybody, fair. and you know, 
Yeah. Yes. Now, the the, the fair counterpoint to that was he almost uh, fought his head coach. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it doesn't always his alma mater's game in the same yeah. week, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and the thing you know, the thing about Book Knight, it's true that he he fell, but that was more from a at at ceiling six falling to eleven, where yeah. Shaden is like ceiling five, maybe even four, falling to thirteen. It would be a bigger fall, but yeah, like. It, there are so many unknowns, then the Hornets are going to work him out and exactly try to figure out, okay, is there a chance of this happening? I do think if we look at the pattern of the workouts, you go to Saturday, Jaden Harvey, a G League Ignite guy, Jaden yeah. Hardy, excuse me. Yeah, he was a G League Ignite guy. And also you had Blake Wesley, who I like, Notre Dame guard, really athletic, um, except didn't test well at the combine. So kind of surprisingly mm -hmm. unathletic with some of the measurements um, that took place there. But really fun to watch the fighting Irish. You know, he worked out there too. Point being, now you have like six, maybe five prospects that have worked out that are in play at 13 and 15. And before Friday and Saturday, you had really only had Tari Eason, Ochai Abaji, and Kennedy Chandler, which is even a stretch there. You know, Kennedy so Chandler, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like say. Kennedy Chandler. I'm just saying, like, it's he's probably not the pick at 13, 15, but it could be, you know, the the point being, right? Like you just you're starting to ramp up the names. And so Absolutely. we'll we'll see how that plays into next week and beyond um okay just wanted to take a break from kenny atkinson let's go back to it we'll have some other things maybe to discuss coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast we should ask if the kenny atkinson hire is the right one for lamello ball whether lamello should have been consulted you know mitch kupchak said he didn't ask anybody about this head coaching job um as far as the players go was that a mistake on the charlotte hornets uh spot we'll talk about that um in just a moment betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info you can find all the latest sports developments news and odds including this year's basketball championship matchup the nhl hockey conference finals major league baseball and of course all the latest fighting news from mma ufc boxing all of that Bet online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. We'll go back to Kenny Atkinson coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Make sure you check out the ultimate NBA mock draft starting June 16th with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Lockdown NBA big board draft experts plus the Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you do not miss a pick. Let's go back to Kenny Atkinson. Ask some of these questions. Doug, what you had here in the rundown, is he the right coach for LaMelo Ball? Mike D'Antoni was always considered that guy. We talked about Kenny a little bit working with the guards, but do you think he is the right coach for LaMelo? Do you think LaMelo should have been consulted at that young age to see if he'd be cool with Kenny being that higher? What do you think about both of those? 
I don't think we know definitively the answer to that question because so much of it is going to to hinge on the relationship that those two build with one another, especially early on. And all the point guards that we've talked about that he's improved have all either been sort of obscure names that rose to prominence like a Jeremy Lin or uh, players that were uh, you know, sort of in obscurity that he turned around like Aaron Brooks or helped turn around like Aaron Brooks and Jeff Teague. And, you know, D'Angelo Russell was a cast off from the Lakers. It was supposed to be, you know, the, the, the best point guard in the league eventually. Uh, but, but ended up having a tough go at it early on. This is a completely different situation with LaMelo Ball, who from the jump rookie of the year, second year, all-star uh, there, there, there's built-in success already. And Kenny Atkinson has to come into that and figure out how can I, you know, build off of those strengths and also give him something without without tinkering too much or or ruining that relationship. It's going to be a big challenge for him. Honestly, do I don't, I don't think there was a wrong answer. I think Darvin Ham, if he would have come here, would have been a good answer. I think uh, Mike D'Antoni would have been a good answer. Would have been a great answer. And I think Kenny Atkinson would have worked in that in this regard as well. I the only thing I would say is I don't think Lamella Ball star or not isn't owed a conversation about personnel just yet. Let's get to your rookie contract, rookie extension first. Then you can start making decisions because then you have the commitment because he's only got two more years left. So I I get why people would want him to be consulted and everything else like that. It's still too soon. You still you got to win a playoff game first. You still got to get to a point. Like get to 48 wins, 50 wins. And I, Doug, I know how much you love the 50 win mark. So mm-hmm. let's get to 50 wins. And then maybe, just maybe, we get to a point where LaMelo can, hey, you can start making some decisions. So I disagree with that slightly. And, and here's where I disagree. I don't think you need to consult LaMelo as if he has like ultimate decision-making power. I agree from that perspective. Like he's, he's not earned that right yet, but I think you should certainly with, and I, and I would say the same about miles bridges. If you plan to resign him, you know, your star players, I think should be, Hey, what do you think about this player? Or what do you think about this coach hire? You know, if we, if we went in this direction with Mike D'Antoni or Kenny Atkins, what do you think? So if they didn't, if they didn't even do that, I think that would be a mistake ultimately. Yeah, I, I don't know about asking the question. I don't know about I, I kind of hear you having a conversation with them though. Maybe you call them in and I don't know how much this is taking place or not. Okay, here but we you go. Say, you were gonna call what if you had Lamelo Ball's phone number and you called and wanted to ask him something, yeah. what would you ask him? I, I would ask him to come in for a meeting and let me go ahead and tell you who I'm going to hire, but I'm gonna sell it to you, right? Like I'm not gonna say, Hey, are you okay with this, Lamelo? What do you think? Is this okay? No, you don't like it. All right, cool. We'll go with the other one. I don't oh, wait, think that's. I'm asking for a vibe check. I'm asking. I'm not asking. I'm not asking for him to make the decision. I'm asking for a yeah, vibe check. Yeah. No. I. I think. I think yes. You. You let Lamelo, maybe Miles, Terry, whoever you consider a, a prominent part of this team, and you say, look, we're going to go with Kenny Atkinson. This is the guy. I think we he, he can help you out this way, that way, whatever. Like, I, if if the communication needs to be there in some way, I think that might be the way that it needs to be present. So, so Walker, you have LaMelo's ball on the phone for 15 minutes. You don't ask him to drive, drive the Lambo. You don't, uh, dude, he's not going to let me. I would feel way too nervous driving that thing too, man. I don't know. Like 
that would be really scary for me. I'd be shaking the whole time. It's true. Like I should ask. I don't know what my I don't know what that question would be. I don't know what my first Lamella Ball question. I would ask him what he's looking at in that AT and T commercial. I know what the the commercial is supposed. He's supposed to be looking at his like employee of the month award, but I would, I would like to know what he was actually looking at. It's really at. high. If they've posted his employee of the month award that high, you know, I don't know why, yeah. you know, maybe they would just want everybody to see it. Um, so this is to me, Mike D'Antoni would have been the best choice for LaMelo specifically. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a bad choice for LaMelo in hiring Kenny Atkinson. You know, I'm not sure, you know, who it's best for, you know, I guess you could make the argument. It's still LaMelo, even if Mike D'Antoni would have been the better hire. Um, I just think that I, I wonder how much this dictates who you draft and who you go after in free agency. Like does Mitch Kupchak now want to figure out who bets, who best fits the Kenny Atkinson scheme. And then that's who you decide to take at 13, 15. That's who you decide to use your trade chips for who you decide to sign in free agency. You know, how much is there a, you know, clear line of communication between the two parties and that dictate your personnel? That's another question that I have throughout the rest of the offseason. I, I don't think it does. If we've seen anything, they've run this ship of who they're drafting at 13 and 15 mm-hmm. without them. And it's kind of speaks to the arrogance. Yeah. I think they have, they kind of <laughs> have like Kenny Atkinson isn't dictating any of this. Well, and neither did Varego, by the way. Like, no, after, that's you know, what I'm saying. The, the, yeah. This regime doesn't really care. No, they, what the coach and, and I and I think too like that's why you hired Kenny Atkinson over Dan Tony because Dan Tony is going to demand a little bit more of that whereas Kenny Atkinson you're essentially he's he's been assistant coach for two years you're throwing him a life vest and saying welcome back to the head coaching ranks and and I don't know the people have been asking me well what do you think you know Kenny Atkinson what do you how how is that going to affect the draft I don't think it's going to affect it at all how's it going to affect free agency I don't think it's going to affect it at all. Yeah, I'm yeah, maybe. There. <clears throat> well, I was gonna but, say maybe Atkinson, maybe his philosophy actually aligns with the front office, and you know that goes into uh, you, the the hiring decision anyway. But one, one thing, Nada, you talk about the arrogance with this front office, mm-hmm. and I don't want to bring this up because I know how many people get carried away with it. But the Michael Jordan stuff here, you know, the okay. fact that Michael Jordan is the final boss that gets these third interviews, Mike D'Antoni, Kenny Atkinson, the only guys that reach that level. And then the reports were, and I think we might've gotten this wrong a week ago when we talked about it, but I'm surprised that reports came out that Michael was more of a fan of Kenny Atkinson because of the defense, because of what was reported, Kenny Atkinson holding his guys to accountability or holding, holding these guys accountable. And James Borrego, that was kind of a, a rumor as to why he got fired. And it seemed like maybe Mitch Kupchak was a little more in favor for Mike D'Antoni. I would think it's the opposite. You think Michael Jordan wants the guy who's won before, wants the big name. And Mitch Kupchak might say, hey, let's continue to develop the draft picks that I make. But in fact, it's reported that it's a little switched. So when we talk about the arrogance of this, you know, Michael gets blamed for a lot of the wrongdoings here with this organization. If these reports are true, I have no reason to believe that they're not. You know, then is Michael going to be the guy that should be held most accountable? You know, I mean, if, if Mitch is reportedly wanting to go in a different area and then Mitch kind of is the fall guy, I think that's a fair question to ask a couple years down the road. If they're done, if this doesn't work out. Well, I'm uh, here's the thing we have, as, as we've seen, we, we, this Charlotte media has no problem blaming Michael Jordan for any and everything involved as we have a headline of Michael Jordan's failure for an owner. So we, there's no problem with that. 
the problem, like, like the thing is, I think Michael's more patient as long as the steps are followed, as long as the process is followed. I'm not sure Mitch, because again, Mitch is the one that said, we thought we were playoff worthy with Nick Richards, Vernon Carey and Mason Plumley as starters. They thought they were playoff worthy going into next last season. So I'm starting to wonder if the arrogance is on Mitch's side and maybe just maybe we're seeing the evolution of an owner who says, okay, I can be patient because I know I have my star right now. You know who is good at basketball? Michael Jordan. <laughs> this is absolutely 100% Michael Jordan's hire. Okay, let's just, yeah. I, I'm just going to throw it out on the table. This is absolutely. I'm in, in high, fact, baby. And, and also, the, the decision to extend James Borrego was Michael Jordan's decision. And that, sure. to me, in my opinion, that was a wrong decision to extend Borrego and then have to backtrack on it a year later. And so this is absolutely 100% his hire. And if it doesn't work out, if it fails spectacularly, then I, then I will come on this show and, and hold Michael Jordan to account. It's not going to do anything. He's going to be the owner of the team. It doesn't change anything, but I think absolutely. If this is, if this fails spectacularly because you had Mike D'Antoni right there, you had him right there. He's won 60 games. He's won 50 games. You had him right there. So I'm, I'm, I think this Kenny thing has a potential to work. But it also it's all going to hinge on player relationships. If he comes in and tries to just bully everyone and say, hey, we're going to do it my way or the highway, I, I think this has this has the potential because he is, I mean, his personality has been described as as pretty intense. And if that doesn't work with this particular group, and that's going to be a disaster. Uh, but I will also leave space for the idea that, you know, Mitch Kupchak also has some responsibility here to deliver the personnel that can make Kenny Atkinson um, successful, but this is absolutely 100% his hire. Yeah. And and so the question is too, like, was it MJ's decision to move on from James Borrego just one year after Cause those right. Mitch Kupchak's press conference didn't exactly align with what we've seen reported, you know? So, you know, Mitch Kupchak that it, he was talking about how he made this decision, how he had to take some time to think about it. And he came out with a couple of things that he didn't exactly like, you know, what JB was doing, not playing the rookies. You know, I wonder how much, 13 and 15 or just 13 if they only keep one how much does one or a couple of these rookies play because of now that uh discussion point from Mitch Kupchak's point of view during his media availability so yeah like and maybe both of them wanted to move on and Michael ends up just having more of a hand in who's hired you know I that's probably what took place anyway all right um, that's not Edwards. You can catch him on the ion college basketball podcast you guys are giving some draft analysis right Yes, we are. We're giving a ton of draft prospects. Again, draft episodes. We're doing Johnny Davis this week, Jalen Duran, for those that really want to be oh, interested. names, yeah. Yeah, we're, do we're doing those two draft uh, draft capsules as of Tuesday and Wednesday on the Ion College Basketball YouTube channel, and they will be in your podcast feed. We thank you for subscribing in advance. Very quickly, yep. not a settle of debate. Would you give up P.J. Washington in a trade to move up to take Jalen Duran? No. No. Oh. That's my dog. I'm going to find that's, someone. That's why I'm going to find someone to agree with me. There's got to be someone be on out there. Island on that one. You don't... I'm going to hire someone to come on this show and agree with me on that. Oh, you have an infant. You don't have the money to hire somebody. That's true. I do have a baby. <laughs> he does. That's the excuse. Follow Nada on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. You can follow Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. Holding down the Ford for a while this weekend when I was off doing mandatory date night that had been planned 
months in advance <clears throat> uh -oh. and uh it was awful of course yeah I, I felt bad leaving doug out to dry like that but that's well, exactly what took place on an island we're, yeah i know it sucked but we're now we're going to give you all the kenny atkinson analysis the draft analysis leading up uh to the hornets regular season we'll see what couple draft picks they have and we'll see exactly how kenny atkinson is able to implement this new scheme all right follow us on twitter as well um at Locked On Hornets. Make sure you make us your first listen every day. Then make your second listen, Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Tulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, the mock draft, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and it's available wherever you get your pods. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Mm -hmm.